As we prepare our hearts for the receiving of the Lord's Supper and our celebration together, I would invite any of you, if you proclaim Jesus Christ, you know Him personally, you have a saving relationship to Him, we have what we call open communion. Uh, Whether you're a member of this church or not, we invite you to celebrate with us the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup, because all true believers, if they're in the fellowship together, On a particular Sunday in which we celebrate this, the Lord's Supper, we invite you to do that with us. And if you would, and as a preparation for our time in God's Word, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We'll, of course, have an abbreviated time in John 8. But I think this is a wonderful preparation for us as we think of and contemplate the great death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and our celebration of that great event, the cross at Calvary, by looking at John chapter 8, specifically in verses 12 to 30. John chapter 8, verses 12 to 30. Now, obviously, I'm not going to be able to exposit uh, that entire section, but I do want to remind you as we continue to go through John's gospel that in this gospel of the Apostle John, he labors to present Jesus as on a par with God the Father. That's been very evident as we have continued to work our way through this gospel account. And especially, I would say, regarding these famous seven I am statements in the gospel of John. I haven't said much about them, uh, but they do bear our attention at least to some degree Uh, These seven great I am statements that John gives us in order to show us that Jesus is the great I am on a par, of course, with what is said in Scripture in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses asked the Lord, who shall I say will go with me? And the Lord says what? I am. I am. And there are seven of these great I am statements that are referring not to the Father, but to the Son, to the Lord Jesus, here in the Gospel of John. For instance, John chapter 6, verse 35. You might look there, John 6, 35. As we went through that, of course, I told you that this is indeed the great I am that is explained this way. I am the bread of life. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the manna that has come down from heaven. And he's able to proclaim with that specific I am statement, I am the bread of life. John 8.12, the very text that begins our study this morning where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In the midst of the great uh, lights in the festival of lights, There in Jerusalem, as the feast is being celebrated, Jesus walks among those lights and then proclaims, I am the light of the world. John chapter 10, verse 7. The third great I am statement of the Gospel of John. And that is where Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. And then just a few verses later in verse 14 of John 10, Jesus proclaims yet again, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the great shepherd. And in John chapter 11, verse 25, 
Jesus proclaims to the world, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And of course he proved that by raising Lazarus from the dead. Another I am, John 14.6. This might be the most familiar to you. John 14.6. I am the way, Jesus says, and the truth and the life. So he's the bread of life, the light of the world, the door of the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life. And he's the way, the truth, and the life. And then finally, in John chapter 15, verses 1 and verse 5, it says, I am the vine, I am the true vine. These are great statements of our Lord. And John captures those for us because he wants us to know that Jesus Christ is God. That he's God in human flesh. And these great I am statements, if you have just the I am, like Jesus said uh, to these Jews, uh, especially to the religious leaders, at one point, John 10.30, he says, I and the Father are one. I mean, a blasphemous claim if it were not true. And that's why the Jews were so upset with Jesus. Not simply for his teaching ministry, and not just for the fact that they could not deny his miracles, but specifically when he says, I am, making himself equal with God, the Bible says. And that's John's message. Yes, I am proclaiming to you that Jesus indeed is equal with God the Father. That's the claim. That's John's gospel. You know, when we uh, seek to evangelize others, and maybe we'll have not just a one-time opportunity to share the gospel with someone, but we have a a multi-opportunity to share the gospel with them. And often, what do we do in that varied and multi-opportunity? We'll say something like this, I want to encourage you to read the gospel of John, right? And why have we been encouraged to do that? Because John's gospel is so filled with these statements from John about not just the teaching ministry of Jesus, but the self-proclamation of our Savior, where he says, I am. I am. And if he had the predicates, I am the bread of life and the light of the world and the door of the sheep and the good shepherd and the resurrection and the life and the way, the truth and the life and the true vine, uh, we would understand that he indeed is claiming equality with God. But even without the predicate, when he says, I am. I and the Father are one. I am. He says, before Abraham was, I am. He's making a specific claim of equality with the Father. Now that's clear to us. We're believers. We love the Lord Jesus. We proclaim this. We evangelize others. Our team went to Haiti and told those little children that Jesus Christ is God That's something that we desire to do. That's something that we are bold in doing. And yet John presents another kind of response from another kind or group of people. And those were the Jewish people of John's own day. And they didn't affirm those things. They didn't like those things being said. In fact, they more often than not, when Jesus would make such a substantive claim like that, Desire, if not in reality, pick up stones to try to stone him because he claimed equality with God. And that's exactly what we have here in John 8, 12 to 30. And I see four 
either statements or questions that show from John's pen why people were so incensed at Jesus. Look at the first one, verse 13. This is their statement. Your testimony is not true. Now, I've just given you several statements, seven of the I am statements, a couple of others, I and the Father are one, John 10.30, and even here in John chapter 8, verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. So I've given you nine different statements from our Lord where he is claiming equality with God. And what is the Jewish response, by and large? What is the vast majority response to Jesus' claims? Well, John 8.13, So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And specifically, this testimony that he gives in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now you and I would say, yes, I was walking in darkness. The darkness of spiritual doom and and death, spiritual death. And Jesus came and enlightened me. He He lit up my life, and my life was lit up from the darkness. That's what we would say. What do some others say? Well, the Pharisees are representative of them, and they say in verse 13, your testimony is not true. Now, I recognize that's one possible response to what Jesus claims about himself. And so how does he respond? He answered verse 14, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. So here's what they say. After hearing Jesus say, I'm the light of the world. He was standing among those great lights in the feast, in the celebration. And Jesus has the audacity, the bombastic claim that that He's the light of the world. Can you imagine if you think of yourself as a... uh, fastidious Jew keeping all of the law like these Pharisees and this so-called rabbi Jesus walks into the midst of the very lighted area of the feast in Jerusalem during these days and says I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life and they would say of course what an audacious claim In a sense, no wonder they cry out, your testimony is not true. And what does Jesus say? Yes, my testimony is true. Verse 14, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. That's the second time he said, I and my ministry is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two men is true. And in effect, Jesus is saying, 
then my testimony has to be true because of myself, that's one witness, and my father, that's two witnesses. And we know that the law says that everything at the mouth of two or three witnesses is to be established, right? He says, verse 18, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the father who sent me bears witness about me. That's his answer to their charge. Your testimony is not true. Here's the second thing they say. Look at verse 19. It's in the form of a question. Where is your father? First, your testimony is not true. Secondly, now, where is your father? In other words, we believe that we too follow the father who is in heaven. And because we follow him, We don't recognize you, we don't agree with you, we don't affirm you, we follow the true Father and you don't. That's what they're saying. Where is your Father? See it cynically said by them here. What's Jesus' answer? You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. In other words, he was continually teaching. He was emphatically teaching. He was regularly teaching. And he was declaratively teaching that he, in fact, has come from the Heavenly Father. And what's their response? Your Father is not our Father. Now that's a, that's a very serious response, isn't it? I mean, if you and I were to ask anyone, friends of ours, relatives, friends, neighbors, classmates, schoolmates, workmates, is Jesus Christ God? Did He in fact come from His heavenly Father to do his father's work, including dying on the cross for sinners like you and like me. We might very well get a similar response. Your testimony, sir, your testimony, ma'am, is not true. And your father is not my father. This is, this is the opposite side of all of John's written claims about what Jesus said and did. You say, why do you bring it up in this way? For this reason. There are only two responses in our world, right? Jesus Christ is who He said He is. He claims what He claims, and His claims are true. His testimony is true. He did come from His heavenly Father. He did die a very, very ignominious death on that cross as a sinless person, and as he died, he died bearing the sins of everyone who would ever believe, and he was resurrected unto new life, just as the Father's plan would have it be, and he made good on his claim to be God in human flesh, in his claim to be equal with God, and therefore his heavenly Father must be our Father if we claim to believe what Jesus has said and done. And yet, there are people in our own world, maybe around you, and this is of course what we all once were, where we would say something like this, I don't believe the claims of Christ. 
I don't believe his testimony is true. I don't believe he really came from God the Father. I don't really believe that his father's not my father. I have my own view of God, right? And you'll have people, if you ask them, give me your view of uh, God, that term or that reality behind that term. And they will tell you anything and everything except often, so often, most often, what the Bible really teaches. And that's what these religious leaders were doing. Where is your father? Your father is not our father. Thirdly, look at verse 22. Verse 22. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? That's the third question. Maybe we could put it like this. Your teaching makes no sense. Your teaching makes no sense. Your father is not our father. Your testimony is not true. What, what in the world is Jesus talking about? Well, what did he say? Look back at verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. And to, the, to that very statement is why they say what they say in verse 22. Will he kill himself since he says where I am going you cannot come? In other words, I have no idea, sir, what you're talking about. What, what do you mean? Where are you going? And the audacity to say that if we don't go with you, if we don't seek you, if we don't follow you, we will die in our sin? I mean, this is blowing every Jewish circuit imaginable. They don't get this. They believe they're already in the kingdom. They believe they're already followers of Abraham, their forefather. They believe they're in. They believe that they have the acceptance of God. They, they believe that this man is crazy. And what does he say in response? Verse 23. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. And it's obvious what their response is. Just the narrative makes it so plain. They say this, your teaching makes no sense. Your father's not our father. And your testimony is not true. And you know, this is the repetition of every Christ rejecter who's ever lived. Doesn't matter if you're Jewish or not. Doesn't matter if you're a Gentile or not. This is the, this is the pattern. This is the story of everyone who rejects Jesus Christ. They say something like this. I don't believe his testimony. His testimony is not true. Uh, who he's talking about and who he's representing and he's coming down from the Father and he's not of this world and he's from above. No, his, his Father's not my Father. That, that's not the way my God would operate. And surely, does he say he wants to kill himself? Surely, no one who's come from the Father, no one who's the supposed Messiah come from God is going to turn around and have himself killed. 
No, when the Jewish Messiah comes, he's not coming to die, he's coming to take over. He's coming to rule and reign. And every time, even with his own 11 disciples, when Jesus would say, the Son of Man is going to come, and when he comes, he's going to die, and when he dies, he's going to rise again. You look at Mark's Gospel several times, beginning in around chapter 9, and even his own disciples are saying, what? What are you talking about? What, what, what are you referring to? What do you mean you're going to die? What do you mean you're going to rise from the dead? I mean, even before Pentecost, in Acts chapter 1, even with those 11 disciples and those of the rest of them in the upper room, they say this in Acts chapter 1. Now, is it, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom? I mean, they had to have the Pentecost experience of the Holy Spirit coming down upon them and showing them all that they still yet didn't know including the idea of, wait a minute, if, if we did see you go into heaven, that, does that mean that the kingdom is just around the corner? They didn't understand. And these were believing Jews who needed the Holy Spirit to come upon them so as to preach the kingdom of God and that it was coming, but that it was only coming when God willed that it should come and only the Father knows such a time. But what about the unbelieving Jews? No, your testimony is not true. Your father's not our father. And all this talk about you killing yourself, your teaching makes no sense. Fourth and finally, your ministry we don't recognize. Your ministry we don't recognize. Verse 25. So they said to him, Who are you? Who are you? In other words, we don't recognize you. Your ministry we don't recognize. Your person we don't recognize. And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. Verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. And they did not understand. He'd been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, that's of course a way of speaking about the cross, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Now, if you're not careful and you read the next verse, verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. You're going to say to yourself, ah, well, see, that, that's conversion. They finally got it. I mean, they're now about to say because they're believing in him, oh, your testimony is true. You are from the Father. And that's what we need to do is listen to you because you're from the Father. And your teaching now makes all kinds of sense. And your ministry, we recognize it now. Because it does say in verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. But look at verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And you would assume that the very next response would be something like this. Yes, we were enslaved to our sin. 
We were in bondage, but now we're free because you've freed us, because you are the Messiah, and we truly do believe in you, and we believe in you savingly, and we believe in you in terms of the abiding sense that we will follow you and that we will call you Lord and Master. That's the kind of belief that we have. Is that what they do? Is that what they are? No. Verse 33, they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? No, these are, these are sham believers. These are would-be followers. But when he sets the conditions of what it means to follow him, like John 6.66 and they chose not to follow him anymore. So they don't believe. They still say your testimony is not true, your father is not our father, your teaching makes no sense and your ministry we don't recognize. And you know what John is doing here? He's being faithful. He's being faithful to record the events as they actually happened. And here are the two responses as they actually happened. There are some of those like the disciples, they would be examples of those like you and me for whom God opened their eyes and they did follow the Lord and they followed him as Lord and they took up their cross daily and they followed him and they followed him even to their own deaths. And they were glad to do it because they knew they were following the Lord Jesus Christ who is equal to God. And the other group, they rejected him. And they said, your testimony is not true. Your father's not our father. Your teaching makes no sense. And your ministry, we don't recognize that. You haven't come from God. And they reject. And is that not the only two responses of every person in the world? Yes. Those who follow Jesus Christ and those who reject him. Those who say his testimony is true. His heavenly father is my heavenly father. His teaching makes sense to me even as the Lord reveals the sense of it to me as I study the scripture and his ministry. I totally recognize he's equal with God. And the others? No. Testimony is not true. I reject it. He doesn't represent God in any way. His teaching makes no sense and we don't recognize his ministry at all. Off with him. Crucify him. Crucify him. What's your response? Why don't you bow your heads with me? What's your response? This is what Jesus said later in John chapter 12. The light is among you for a little while, a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. Ask yourself the question this morning. Do I believe that Jesus indeed is the light of the world? Or do I reject that light? 
If you reject that light, you remain in the darkness. You don't have your sins forgiven. You don't know Jesus Christ savingly. And you won't have your sins forgiven. You won't have eternal life granted. But, but if you believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, that He is the great I Am, that He and the Father are one, that before Abraham was I Am, then you have the light of life. And you too can become a son of light. And if you believe that, you are light and not darkness. And you can celebrate the Lord's Supper with us to proclaim His death before He comes. Father, we ask that You would allow us to celebrate truly and wonderfully that Jesus Christ indeed is the light of the world. Pray in His name. Amen.